All right. What's the best treatment for osteoporosis? <laughs> Say it again. More like on the slide. Okay, this is okay, but I think you can do better. All right, so the main thing we're going to do is we're going to prevent it from ever happening. Now, once a person has it, the way we're going to treat it is we're going to prevent further bone loss, and we're going to try and promote bone formation. All three of these things require... <laughs> adequate calcium... And adequate vitamin D. If you do not have adequate calcium, no matter what drugs we give to this patient, they are not going to stop losing bone. That's the end of the story. And I guarantee you, you'll have a question on a test, maybe a final too, that's going to ask you something about this concept. That no treatment and no prevention of osteoporosis works without adequate... Okay, got it? All right. Now, so let's talk about calcium for a moment. Um, calcium salts are typically the way we're going to give calcium. And the indications are mild hypocalcemia and osteopenia and osteoporosis and the prevention thereof. Ooh, always great when you can work thereof into a sentence feel very King James-ish. Yeah. Like Shakespeare. All right. Adverse effects. If a patient chronically takes higher doses than recommended, they can end up with hypercalcemia. And they can also interact with some drugs. But for the most part, calcium does not have too many bad side effects. All right, so there are some age-specific recommendations. Kids 9 to 18 need to get about 1,300 milligrams a day. What's the best source? Dairy products. Milk, cheese, ice cream. Real ice cream. Ooh. From ages 19 to 15, it's approximately 1,000 milligrams a day. And then after 50 goes back up to 1,200 milligrams a day. Now, the most important thing in deciding which one of these to take and how much to take is the amount of elemental calcium. Now, do you remember way, way back when I gave you your um, Pathopharm 1 anemia, uh, I, don't, I think it was on the, um, on the quiz, not on the test, where the patient was on ferrous sulfate and then they're going to be changed over to ferrous fumarate and you had to calculate the percentage of iron. Do you remember that? Okay. Now, in and of itself, you're never going to do that. But the concept still applies here. So if you have, well, a mother in my case, who is taking um, calcium carbonate and is taking 600 milligrams, so I have to take two of these, and that's enough, right? Is that right? No, because the, the elemental part was only like 400. So how much did she actually need to take? Assuming she's over 50. She actually had to take three of them a day. So that's very important for you to communicate to your patients 
and loved ones who will not always understand it's the elemental part that we care about, not the overall dose. Right. These are elemental. So it's not, so calcium carbonate, you can't take the same milligrams and make it calcium citrate. You can't make the same milligrams and make it calcium gluconate. You need, you need to, on the bottle, it'll say, contains however much elemental calcium. So we'll talk about that in a second. Now, calcium carbonate is by far the most common one. Um, you can actually get this in your diet by grinding up uh, eggshells and sprinkling it in your food if you like. Or you could just get some Tums. Tum, 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 tum. Certain, you know, certain types of uh, Mylanta or Maalox are also calcium carbonate. It's all, in addition to being used for calcium supplement, what else is it used for? As an antacid. So, what is the side effect of calcium carbonate? No, just lower stomach acid. But in lowering stomach acid, what can it do to other drugs? Decrease their absorption, or it can bind to them. The other thing it can do is it can cause uh, constipation. Um, now, calcium citrate, uh, but calcium carbonate is by far the most common, partly because it was around as an antacid before it started being used as a supplement. Calcium citrate is probably the best absorbed, uh, probably has the fewest side effects, but it's also more expensive. And uh, the brand name here, what's the most common one, do you know? Citricale. Citricale. You guys are so smart. You know everything. And the last one, calcium gluconate, usually not taken by mouth, usually given IV. And it's going to be the most common one that you're going to see in the hospital for IV use. All right, now, orally, no more than 600 milligrams of calcium should be given at one time. So, not the calcium carbonate, but calcium itself. So, how many times a day does a patient need to take their calcium? Twice, twice. Technically, three times. So that's, that's just figuring that you're getting absolutely no from your diet. Right. Yeah, no, and this, this assumes that you're not getting any from your diet also. What's the best way to replace calcium? In from your diet. So I'm not going to care about all the other sources of calcium. For me, milk and milk products are the number one source. I guess you can eat goat cheese if... <laughs> There's a variety of uh, reactions to that. All right. Vitamin D. Vitamin D, the two main sources are sun, where your skin will make it, and fortified milk. Again, people who are lactose intolerant don't tend to drink fortified milk and therefore less likely to have enough vitamin D. Yeah, but a lot of people who don't like lac who are lactose intolerant never even bother to try the lactate type stuff. Is that is that enough to like so if you can't drink regular milk, can you Yes. What? Say again? 
Only if they add it. You'd have to check the label. All right. Now, older adults, older adults often do not get enough vitamin D. Even if they like to go out in the sun, there's a reduced response to the sun as far as your body producing vitamin D as you get older. Now, osteoporosis in treatment should also include vitamin D supplementation. There's several different kinds of vitamin D, and we're not going to get into that level of detail. All I care about is that you know elderly people with osteoporosis should be taking vitamin D and calcium, no matter what other drugs they're on. They should be taking both of those. And if you'd like some additional uh, information on it, for your own edification, I put some good links here for you. All right, now let's talk drugs. Love drugs. Oh, by the way, out of all the drugs we have, there's only one that promotes bone growth. So if we only have one that promotes bone growth, what do all the others do? They prevent bone, bone breakdown. Prevent bone breakdown or slow it down slow the bone breakdown what's the word for bone bone breakdown the technical term well that's the cell that's responsible for it but what's the term bone starts with an r resorption that's bone breakdown because you're resorbing bone calcium out of the bone all right first drug is calcitonin also known as miocalcin and it comes as either an injection or a nasal spray. It is artificial calcitonin. What does calcitonin do? Three things. What does it do? Takes it out of your blood and does it by putting it in your bones. Decreased absorption in the GI tract. Is that a good thing? And more secretion in the kidneys. Now, does that sound like it's really going to help us? No. Somewhat. I mean, it will put, put it into bones, but what else is it going to do? It's going to make you stop absorbing it as much. And it's going to make you excrete it in your kidneys. So there may be less in your... So what do you think the major adverse effect is? Hypocalcemia. Now, we can treat hypercalcemia with this, and we can also use it to treat osteoporosis, but it's not for prevention. All right, the next class of drugs is probably the most famous, and it's biphosphonates. They are structural analogs of pyrophosphonate. What does that mean? It imitates pyrophosphonate. And pyrophosphonate just happens to be a structural component of bone. So how does this work? Our bone gets broken down, and then it gets built up again. So as it gets built back up again, instead of building the bone with normal pyrophosphonate, we build it back with the biphosphonate. Then the next time it's time to break down that bone again, the, bi the biphosphonate inhibit the osteoclasts. So that, part get so that part doesn't get broken down as much anymore. 
That's how it's going to work. I guess it might impair bone healing after a fracture, possibly, but I don't know. All right, therapeutic uses. Postmenopausal and glucocorticoid osteoporosis. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. If you are on chronic steroids, your chances of getting osteoporosis are a whole lot higher. But you already knew that from when we talked about steroids last semester, didn't you? But you remembered it too, right? Okay, good. So we use them for osteoporosis and Paget's disease. What was Paget's disease again? Abnormal bone breakdown. There are six preparations on the market. You need to be familiar with three names because these are the most common names by far. Alendronate, better known as Fosamax. Actonel, and I'm not going to tell you the, the the generic name of that because I don't care. And Beniva, which again, I'm not going to tell you the generic because I don't care. Now, the claim to fame. Fosamax is the most common one. You take it once a week or daily. Actinel, same thing, weekly or daily. Beniva can be taken once a month. And it can also be taken um, as an injection instead of just as as a pill by mouth. So again, here we have our quiescent bone gets broken down. As it starts to get brought back up, see these little swirls? These little swirls are now replaced by? By the drug. Then, as this happens again, this never happens or happens much more slowly because the drug inside the bone is inhibiting our osteoclast. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay. Now, important for us to know. Biphosphonates can cause a very serious side effect called esophagitis. What do you think esophagitis is? Inflammation of the esophagus. What do you think the major symptom is? Ooh, I got it, I got it. Oh, I, got, I know this one. Say it again, please. Heartburn. Heartburn is the most common side effect. Now, to prevent the side effects, we have to take it in a very special manner. We must give it on an empty stomach, um, a cup of orange juice and a cup of coffee will decrease the absorption by 60%. So when we say empty, we mean nothing but water. No milk, no coffee, no orange juice, nothing. Just water. So after the person takes it, they have to stay in either a sitting or a standing position for 30 minutes afterward. Then after that, they can eat or go back to bed. So we can be given either daily or weekly. Which one do you think we usually do? Weekly. We usually do weekly because a lot of patients don't like to do this. So if you only have to do it one day a week, it's better. Do not suck or chew on the tablet. <laughs> Full glass of water, which means at a minimum, eight ounces. And the major adverse, is, major adverse effects is esophagitis. Say again. Um, I think it would cause, oh, it would cause esophagitis on the way down because it's coated. 
Now, we also use biphosphonates, not necessarily the ones, the, not necessarily these three here, but we can use these drugs in patients who have bone cancer to prevent breakdown of their bone. And they use very high doses, and that can actually cause bone necrosis. But that's, that's, you don't have to write it down. I'm not going to test you on that. It's just so if you ever see a patient who's got cancer and they're on this and they're like, but they're too young to have osteoporosis, the reason is they're trying to prevent breakdown of bone from the cancer. All right, the next drug we're going to talk about is raloxifene, also known as Avista. Now, it is a selective estrogen modifier. So basically, it's going to mimic estrogen, but only in bones, lipids, and blood clotting areas. So it's going to block estrogen effects everywhere else, such as the breast and the endometrium. So we're going to use it for postmenopausal osteoporosis. Now, because it's this funky drug, it, it activates some receptors but blocks others. It's actually going to do some of the thing, good things that estrogen does, but it's going to do some of the bad things that estrogen prevents. So what do you think our major, uh, our major side effect is going to be by blocking estrogen receptors? Hot flashes. Um, also, it can cause... Um, it can cause fetal harm, so in a woman who could still become pregnant, they should not use this drug. And uh, caution in patients who smoke because they can get DVTs. See, blood clotting. By the way, um, I don't think we have any place we talk about uh, oral contraceptives. But what are oral contraceptives? Estrogen plus progesterone. Now, the two of them together are typically what's given. You can also find some progesterone-only ones. Now, estrogen in large doses can increase clotting. And if a person smokes, the, the extra estrogen plus the smoking makes that risk go even higher. So there's a lot of physicians who will not prescribe oral contraceptives at all for women who smoke because of the increased risk for DVTs. Just, there's nowhere else to put this in, so side, sidebar for you. How does smoking affect clotting? It increases it. It increases... It, increase, it just causes increased propensity to clot. We don't, I mean... It doesn't really thicken so much, but yeah, it just makes it more likely to more. It makes your platelets more likely to degranulate, and clotting factor is more likely to activate. And yeah, there's there's specific reasons why, and I have the smartest book in the world in my office if you'd like to read it and find out more. I'm telling you, McDonald's blood flow and arteries, smartest book in the world. All right, next one, teraparatide. It's artificial parathyroid hormone. Now, what does parathyroid hormone do? It increases calcium resorption. So, riddle me this, Batman. How does giving a hormone that causes calcium bone breakdown 
to increase blood levels of calcium prevent or treat osteoporosis? Okay, well, I did hear one possible answer, which is it causes increased absorption in the blood. Okay. But how does that treat the bone loss? Because parathyroid tells bones, break down and give me calcium, right? How does giving a hormone that tells bone to break down and release calcium into the blood prevent or treat osteoporosis? How does it build up bone? Well, the answer is it doesn't. Unless you give it in a very special way. So what you do is you give it for a short time and then you stop taking it. And so it kind of shocks your system into putting down new bone. And then you give it again. So I'm not sure about how, how often it's given. I think it's given on a monthly basis. But giving that in little brief spurts kind of shocks your system into getting its butt in gear. It's kind of like if you watch the movie 300 and you go, I'm going to work out. And you work out for like a week and then you start, yeah, whatever. What am I doing? And then, and then <laughs> yeah, it slowly dwindles down. That's kind of the same thing here. And that's it for osteoporosis. 